Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Golden Star Resources third quarter 2020 results conference call. At this time, all lines are in a listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. If at any time during this call you require assistance, please press star zero for the operator. This call is being recorded on Thursday, October 29th, 2020. I'd now like to turn the conference over to Michael Joner. Please go ahead. Thank you for joining us for our Q3 2020 results call. Um, please note the disclaimer on forward-looking statements, which will be on the presentation on the website if you need to go through this presentation later. Um, I'm joined on the call by Andrew Ray, our CEO, Graham Crew, our COO, Paul Thompson, our CFO, and Peter Spora, um, EVP Growth and Exploration. Um, and with that, I will hand over to Andrew to um, take us forward on slide four, please. Thanks very much, Michael, and hello to everybody. Um, the third quarter was an exceptionally busy time in the business with some major achievements to really reposition Golden Star. Uh, we, as promised, completed the sale of Prestair on the 30th of September at the end of the quarter. Um, within that, there was a major intercompany loan reorganization and amendment to the Royal Gold Streaming Agreement as well. Post the end of the quarter, we announced a restructuring of the Macquarie facility. And as announced in the Q3 results, we put in place a 50 million ATM facility, which we'll look at using really on a discretionary basis, potentially for additional growth capital. So, all of that radically changes the financial position of the company and that enables a significant step up in investment in growth as we go now to the end of the year and into 2021. We know the scale and potential of WASA and I think with that investment and with the PEA that we're currently busy working on, I think we'll start to more clearly lay that future path to growth out. And this will also enable us now with the improved financial position to make a proper consistent commitment to exploration given the land package that we have on a highly prospective belt. Uh, can we move on to slide five, Michael? On slide five, you can see Notwithstanding that level of activity in the business, WASA continued to deliver on an operational level. The mining rate there was close to 5,000 tonnes a day, um, and the team compensated there with the ore tonnes for some lower grades during the quarter, which Graham will speak to a little bit more. Uh, the production, again, over 40,000 ounces and fully in line with expectations and with our increased guidance. Unit costs were well controlled 
um, again within guidance. And we added cash to the balance sheet at the end of the quarter, even allowing for around 10 million of cash burn through Prestea, um, as well as a 5 million principal repayment during the quarter of the Macquarie facility. And remember that's still in an environment which is impacted by COVID-19, which we saw had some impacts on the business, um, albeit we've continued to manage that in terms of case numbers and haven't seen any active cases at WASA really since early September. Moving on to slide six there, just a reminder of the Bogaso Press Air sale, which I referred to, which was completed as planned. Um, liabilities for that asset taken on by FGR, the acquirer. There'll be 30 million of cash payments to us between next year and then in 2023. Um, and we have the upside potentially should the sulfide material there be developed. On slide seven, we've set out there the updated guidance to reflect that sale. And in essence, that's really WASA unchanged plus Prestair year to date. There's a small reduction in capital, some deferred capital, some capital efficiency. So we, we've brought capital down. Um, I think it's worth bearing in mind there within the WASA AISC number, which, as I said, is the same range it was at the start of the year. There's around an additional $30 an ounce of costs between the higher gold price and impact on royalties versus budget and the stockpile material that in the current gold price environment we've been putting through the plant. But notwithstanding that, we'll still be within guidance. Moving on to slide eight and a reminder of our ESG performance. Um, I was actually out in country last week and the week before for the first time in several months. And it was encouraging to see actually through the pandemic and the way everyone has dealt with that. I think a lot of the relationships have been enhanced with our stakeholders in Ghana. And it says there 99% of the workforce Ghana and actually for most, if not all, of Q3, that was at 100% as all expats were out of the country. But as I said, the delivery continued almost uninterrupted. With that, I'll hand over to Graham to provide a bit more detail on WASA. Uh, thanks, Andrew. Um, moving across to slide 10. Um, yeah, I think it is worth noting the the site team um, you know, has done a, a tremendous job over the quarter, you know, managing you know, the COVID controls that we've put in place. Um, you know, we've really seen the productivity continue to improve from the underground. And I guess it's worth also noting that, you know, that 4,960 tonnes per day over Q3 um, is without any sort of um, upgraded investment in the underground haulage fleet. So, um, you know, continuing to improve that. That, of course, was offset by some, uh, by the grade being lower than certainly our expectations. Some of that was just due to how we had to reschedule things over the quarter. 
Um, as mentioned earlier, we were we were short of jump operators, um, so we didn't push the decline and some of the capital development as hard. So there's a bit a little bit more of um, uh, ore development within that, which obviously brings some of the grade down. Um, also pleasing the with the stockpiles processing, the recovery remains stable um, and consistent. So you know the plant's performing really well. And of course, the production, you know, we've had a bit of a step up um, overall this year, partly driven by the stockpile, but also by the productivity from underground, which has been pleasing to see. Uh, moving over to slide 11, really um, on the unit cost side, really just benefiting from those higher volumes, both from underground and, and a little bit from the stockpiles. Um, and the all in sustaining cost has been restated um, as is covered off in the in the financials um, previously. On to slide 12, um, probably the most pleasing aspect over the quarter. You know, Andrew mentioned um, that you know we were down there um, last week and the week before um, the pace plant. The last time I was on site in March, it was basically a concrete pad. Um, you know, that was at 98% completion at the end of the quarter. Um, we're waiting on a little bit of commissioning now, but ostensibly that's ready to go. And we're busy now with the underground infrastructure, uh, reticulation, et cetera, um, ready for a test stoke um, in November. So, you know, that, that's been really pleasing to see that um, the quality of that, that build um, all through COVID. Um, and then the electrical upgrade, uh, you know, at one point we weren't sure that we would get, a, get the electrical upgrade completed. Um, we were looking at bringing some engineers from, from overseas into Ghana. In the end, we completed that upgrade all with, um, with local contractors and consultants to be able to complete that, which was also very pleasing. And then the Jensa upgrade, which is um, now on track to complete hopefully um, partway through this quarter um, should um, help us stabilise the power and, and um, gives us a, a slightly lower cost um, than the grid. So um, so all, all of those projects, um, you know, just extremely pleasing to see how they have uh, progressed over the quarter. And with that, I'll hand over to Paul to talk about the financial results. Thank you, Graham. So, as Andrew and Graham have alluded to, Q3 is characterised as a quarter of significant change. So, we did press their sale, the balance sheet's repositioned, and then following the end of the quarter, we had the Macquarie facility being restructured. So, these three things, along with the underlying WASA performance, really positioned GSR in terms of focusing on realising the full potential of WASA going forward. You have noted in the financial results, as a consequence of the press air disposal, we've actually had to separate out the uh, P&L and the cash flow statements into continuing and discontinuing operations. So if I focus first on the continuing piece for WASA, so in total, the gold production has benefited from the higher realised price. So we had an average realised price of 1813 so it was a good quarter in respect of pricing. Adjusted EBITDA from the continuing operations was 37.5 million for the quarter, 
demonstrating the business's ability to deliver strong profitability and cash generation. Turning to the impact and the discontinued operations of Prestia, that impact was 40.8 million. So we had the loss from the sale of Prestia, which was 36.9 million. And then there was the operating loss during the quarter of 3.9 million. So that translates into the net income per share for the continuing operations being 13 cents per share. And then the net income per share for the continuing and discontinuing operations is negative 61. So in relation to the Prestia accounting treatment for the sale, this primarily represents the non-cash derecognition of the non-controlling interest in Prestia. So the methodology used to calculate that loss, the 36.9, is essentially in three parts. So there's a fair value of the consideration to be received from FGR. With the net liabilities at 30 September 2020, the date of disposal, which were transferred to FGR. Then there's the non-controlling interest of Prestia. So that's primarily driven by the intercompany debt restructuring as a consequence of the sale. So in terms of the non-controlling interest, so in the balance sheet, specifically the equity section, Golden Star presents non-controlling interest separate to the equity of the shareholders of Golden Star, and it's only accounted for on a consolidated level. So the NCI in Prestia was 68.5 million, which represents the government of Ghana's 10% share in the equity of uh, GSBPL, that's Prestia. And so that then mean, meant that the NCI decreased by 38 million since June 2020 due to that intercompany restructuring. And that's why we have this uh, we have the um, shareholders loss, including the discontinued operations as being minus, uh, sorry, negative um, 0.61 per share. If we just turn to slide 15, please. This slide really emphasizes the fact of what's happened in the balance sheet. So at the start of the year, our objective was to create balance sheet flexibility to give a platform for growth going forward. This has been done firstly by the sales year. So that removes the operating losses and the requirement to fund those. It also removes a large negative working capital position and the rehabilitation provision. And the net impact of this in the group balance sheet is actually trans it's transitioned from having negative net assets to actually having positive net assets. In terms of the Macquarie uh, facility restructuring, which we which we completed in the first second week in October, so the sale of Prestia was a major factor in terms of securing that restructuring. It did actually complete post-quarter end, so it's not reflected in these Q3 balance sheet numbers. So in summary, the facility is now 70 million, which provides an additional 35 million of liquidity. So we had 10 million of principal repayments made in Q2 and Q3 2020, which have, which have actually been redrawn. And we've rescheduled the principal repayment, which actually commenced in September 2021. So just looking forward from there, the Prestia disposal, Macquarie facility restructuring, and underlying financial and operational performance of WASA provides additional liquidity in 2021 to 
satisfy the repayment of the convertible debenture in August 21. Disappointed note, if the prevailing price, share price exceeds 450 in August 2021 when the convertible debentures expire, we'll have an option to manage the dilution with either firstly paying cash, secondly issuing new shares, or actually using a combination of cash and shares. The last point to note, which Andrew mentioned at the start, was we put in place an ATM program. So the purpose of this is to give an option to raise capital to fund discretionary capex and spend beyond what is currently planned. We turn to slide 16, please. So in terms of the underlying capability of WASA, this, this chart to me really summarizes it and puts it in a really good light. So we can see that we ended the quarter with cash of 48.3 million, but that's not the full story. So if you look at the actual cash from the continuing operations, WASA has generated 14.4 million. So the actual, sorry, that's um, WASA and our corporate cost. So if you look at WASA in isolation, it's actually generated over 30 million before working capital movement. The tax, the 8.7 million relates to the Q2 tax position because it's paid in arrears in the following quarter. The other point to note is within the corporate and other, the cost of 7.1, that includes uh, GNA of 4.7 million and 2.4 million in the gold head losses. The other things to note in here are in terms of the finance principle, the 5.1 million. So that was the Macquarie principle that was repaid during Q3, but that's now obviously been redrawn, as I said, in Q4 2020. The other point to note is, uh, is the cash used by the discontinued operation, so Prestia, so that was 10 million. So we saw um, it consumed almost $7 million during that quarter, and then there was transaction costs, and then the cash derecognition which gave an overall cash position of 10 million that was consumed. With that, I'll hand over to Peter, who will cover off the exploration and geology section. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you, Paul. And uh, on slide 18 for everyone. And good afternoon. Um, so uh, just to, to, to give a bit of an update on where we're at with exploration, and you know, as Andrew said earlier on, we've got um, an extensive land holding in a very prospective belt, host of uh, more than 10 million ounces of wasa. We have over 352 square kilometres along a prospective greenstone belt um, that that spans over 90 kilometres of um, geology from the coast of um, coast of Ghana all the way back up to wasa. Um, and, and most of that land package is linked by a haul road from Father Brown back up to Wassa, um, covering about 85 kilometres and uh, in quite good condition. Um, during uh, during the year 2020, we've had we had a pretty quiet quarter one and quarter two, um, and and due to COVID and suspension of field activities, so we took advantage of that period and we we uh, spent a lot of time compiling historic data, reinterpreting information. And uh, that led to us uh, determining around about 40 new or 40 new and existing targets across our land package uh, for follow-up. Uh, 
and, and as part of Q3's work, we started uh, on following up those uh, those targets uh, on our regional projects. We undertook around 2,600 auger and soil samples um, on our regional targets at HPB and also around Wassa. And we recommenced our uh, extensional uh, step-out drilling on uh, the Wassa oil body, uh, looking at uh, extensions to the existing resource areas in the shallower parts of the ore body. Going forward into Q4 and then into 2021, uh, we expect to see a step up in uh, Wasser drilling, um, expanding that, uh, moving to two rigs this month and uh, three rigs in January. Uh, we start uh, drilling at our Lura project in the far southwest of our land holding, uh, where we're testing a three kilometre long golden soil anomaly. And uh, we'll start uh, delineating further work programs for 2021 to test um, the bowl, or test a large number of the highest priority targets from our 40 targets uh, for 2021. Next slide, Michael, slide 19. Just zooming in at Wasser and just a quick snapshot of, of the programs that are ongoing and uh, going to go into 2021. Um, on the long section on the left-hand side, we can see the uh, extensive Wasser ore body extending over uh, 2.5 kilometres from north to south um, from the left-hand side to the right-hand side of the long section. Our current drilling is surface drilling focused on the uptick extensions. So the target there is looking at mineralisation um, between um, previously mined open pits and the um, current and planned um, infrastructure at Wasser in the, in the grey blocks there, which is the 2019 reserve. So our targeting there um, with uh, two diamond rigs um, from the start of November and uh, looking, looking at uh, up-dip extensions of the existing B-shoot, hanging wall and footwall zones. Um, going into 2021, we'll be expanding uh, the number of drill rigs and starting to look at the up-plunge extensions to the southern, the southern area, but also the down-dip extensions to existing B-shoot, hanging wall and footwall zones in the down-dip extensions area. We'll be initially doing some 200-metre space lines um, and, and we think that there's, there's good potential to test uh, that or to identify extensions of, of the mineralisation that, uh, that's been mined to date and is, is planned to be mined in the shallower parts of the, the ore body. Uh, on, the, on the greater ML, the image on the right, the soil sampling program there, there's uh, two major corridors, both extending over eight kilometres long. Uh, the Wasser corridor is the one sending from Wasser 242 down to Anomaly 4. And the SAC corridor extends from SAC 123 to Anomaly 3. Um, multiple kilometre scale gold anomalies, a limited amount of testing below uh, drill testing at all, if, um, if at all. Most of the drilling is sub 50 metres where some of the anomalies have been tested and there are RAB anomalies that we will be, we will be following up. So there's large programs of RC and uh, RC diamonds planned for uh, drilling on these anomalies in, in 2021. Um, and all these sit within two to 10 kilometres of the, of the mill. Uh, next slide, Mike, 20. And then just regionally, um, you know, significant land holding. I've, I've focused in on the left-hand image there on just the uh, HBB, Benso and Chichawili projects, uh, which are between 40 to 85 kilometres from Wasa, uh, connected by that whole road as we spoke. Um, more than 30 targets identified. Uh, we're just prioritising these targets presently in order to um, determine work programs. We'll probably get in and test around 15 of these targets um, next year 
Um, initially, most of the targets are soil geochem anomalies with limited to no testing at all. Um, we will be uh, doing air core RAB programs across across those those anomalies, and then where we have RAB RAB and air core anomalies from historic drilling, we'll be undertaking uh, significant RC and RC diamond programs testing some of these targets. I think there's um, significant potential to find uh, a number of ore bodies here um, in terms of the lack of work that's been done and, and from the work that's been done from the compilation of um, compilation. Um, um, and I'll uh, hand back to Andrew. Thank you. Thanks very much, Peter. So um, just on the last slide there, slide 21, as I mentioned at the start of the call, it's a transformational quarter for our business. We're setting it up with a sound balance sheet, as Paul set out, and able to really invest in WASA and growth more broadly. And at the same time, during the quarter, WASA's continued to deliver strong operational performance. Looking forward, you've seen some of the photos there of the infrastructure going in at WASA with a view to the longer term development of that asset, and that will support the growth of WASA for the next few years. The PEA, I think, will add more color and substance to how that develops going forward. And there will be a significant ramp up in the drill out at WASA as we go into 2021. Um, and finally, investment as Peter was just setting out in some of those exciting targets that we've got on our property. So with that, um, I'll stop there, hand back to the operator, and we'll take questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we will now begin the question and answer session. Should you have a question, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request, and your questions will be pulled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star followed by two. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset before pressing any keys. One moment for your first question. Your first question comes from Carrie McCurdy with Canaccord Genuity. Please go ahead. Good morning, guys, or good afternoon. Um, good step up on the mining rate there. I'm just wondering, is that a rate now you think you, could, you can sustain, or how should we think about the mining rate over the next few quarters? Thanks, Kerry. Um, I'll probably just pass that one to Graham. Yeah, I think Kerry was seeing a sustained improvement in mining rates. Um, we're busy now looking at the 21 budget um, and certainly looking to target, um, you know, significantly in excess of four and a half thousand tonnes per day over the year, um, you know, there's a bit of work to do around, you know, what's available and stopes and pillars, et cetera. But, um, you know, the other big advantage we have coming into 21 is the pace plant and being able to mine the primary, secondary sequence um, on some of the levels. So, yeah, so, so I think um, maybe not quite 5,000 tonnes a day, but certainly touching it and looking for ways that we can exceed that sustainably um, you know, beyond 21. And maybe just on the grade, I mean, with the you know, additional operators coming back, any expectations on what we can expect for grade for the Q4? 
Yeah, Q, Q4 definitely looking back above three grams. Um, we we we're starting to get those jump operators back, um, starting to push the development rates, getting the getting the decline moving again, uh, which is all pretty positive. Um, and and we've got some higher grade stopes in the quarter. It was a pretty high proportion of hanging wall stopes in Q3, relatively. Um, so yeah, I think we'll see a, a bit of a step up there in Q4. But probably around the similar sort of ounces um, is where we're looking. You know, as we've guided. Maybe just one more for me, just on the PEA. PEA just wondering if you could share sort of the scope that you're thinking about. Is this going to cover sort of the full extent of the mineralization, or is it more like a you know a stepping stone to a future longer term solution? Yeah, so it's the PEA um, is looking at the whole southern extent. So based on the resource upgrade um, as at December. Um, 19. So yeah, so so it's kind of looking holistically at the whole, um, the whole whole southern extent, and you know with a with an overall aim of how do we fill the mill capacity from Wassa. Thank you, guys. Your next question comes from Hiko Illa with HC Wainwright. Please go ahead. Hey guys, thanks for taking my questions. No problem. Can you walk me through a little bit more through your rationale with the ATM that you just put in place? I was a bit surprised to see it given the sale of Prestea and the improvements in balance sheet that that brought along. I mean, you mentioned earlier you want to use it for discretionary capital. At another point in time, you mentioned it as an option, but that doesn't really narrow it down all that much. I mean, a few things on that. Do you anticipate using it before the end of the year? Have you received the mandate from your largest shareholder as to minimum price to be selling any shares? And lastly, this is just because I'm not a banker, how soon could you theoretically utilize the program, please? Hi, Heiko. It's Andrew. I'll deal with the question. So I think you know the ATM should be looked at in the context that, as you mentioned, Presteo sold, so... Um, that was a major step forward. The Macquarie restructuring, which together with those sale process proceeds due in 2021, provides us the solution for the convertible debentures should we need it in the sense that, you know, if they're out of the money and we've got to repay them, we've established a solution for that. The way we're looking early stages, but at the budget at this point, there's a step up probably a significant step up in drilling at Wasa, um, which will be required. There'll be a step up in exploration. So that's the base case. And, you know, we don't see any capital issues with respect to that base case. The element that we don't know is potentially success-based drilling that may come in over the course of the year, additional opportunities to deploy capital through the budgeting process. So, you know, rather than simply raise capital as a nice to have and sit there, we thought the ATM is a good solution if we do need to access capital, if the opportunities are there both to deploy it as well as an attractive price and the demand for the stock is there, then it's a facility that is relatively straightforward to put in place 
it sits now for just over a year through to November next year. And we can use it as required. If we don't use it, there's no cost to the business. So that doesn't um, prevent you know, us from saying we're not going to use it. So in terms of discretionary, that's what I was referring to, that it's there should we feel that we wish to use that. We don't have to. Um, we'll, I think, take an active view on what's the appropriate price to use for that. La Mancha have got representation on the board. The board has approved that facility. So, you know, La Mancha fully aware of, of that. As you know, through the investor rights agreement, they've got anti-dilution rights, which they can exercise if they want to stay at the same level, should we use it. So, yeah, I think we'll take a relatively conservative approach, but we thought it's a good opportunity and a good point in time to put that in place if at any point over the next year we see that requirement for incremental capital. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then just a clarification. Um, in your release, you mentioned you got the corporate GNA of $4.7 million in Q3 2020. And then there's a quote, the increase is due primarily due to higher insurance and labor costs. Um, you then mention in the same paragraph that the uh, increase, the 26% increase, was primarily due to non-recurring costs incurred as part of relocation from the corporate office from Toronto, Canada to London. Um, two things on this. First of all, labor doesn't sound like something that's a one-time item, unless, unless, unless when you're saying labor, you mean severance expenses for the Toronto office. Am I, was I just misunderstanding that or overthinking it? Yeah, I think the labor, um, Paul can add in, but I think the labor is referring to the fact that for certainly the first quarter of the year, we duplicated labor because we were running uh, still most of the Toronto office as we set the London office up. So we had a heavier component of labor, plus there were obviously severance costs. But this refers specifically to the fact that we duplicated labor for a period of time. So certainly the duplications non-recurring, the ongoing costs are recurring. I know, Paul, if there's anything else you'd like to add. No, there's nothing much more to add to, as you said, it's just that sort of double count in terms of having London and Toronto working concurrently at that time, that small time of overlap. Paul, if I may Please. add, and, uh, yeah. that impact is in the year-to-date numbers rather than in Q3. Yeah. There is a difference because yeah. the duplication didn't occur this quarter, it was earlier in the year. Yeah. yeah. Though, though it, it does sort of continue because you got 4.7 million in Q3, which is just about a third of your year-to-date figure. Sorry. So in Q3, there's a step up in insurance, um, but the the specific duplication of cost is removed. Got it. And the insurance is going to fall off again going forward. Or not. It will do. Uh, it will fall off. There's obviously been a bit of an increase in terms of the um, in terms of the class action with the D&O cost, which has been you know directly impacted. But you know that will obviously reduce over time. Excellent. Thank you, guys. Stay safe. Yeah. Thank Thanks, you. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, should you have any questions, please press star one. 
The next question comes from Don DeMarco with National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Hi, right, thank you for taking my call. Uh, so, gentlemen, um, in uh, a previous question, you responded, you commented on the, the mining rates. And um, I'm wondering, how should we model the benefits of the Paysville plan? Do you expect a gradual improvement in mining rates over the next 12 months, or will there be a step change in the next six months? Graham, do you want to take that one? Yeah. Uh, hi, Don. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think we'll see a step change, um, and certainly not looking at budgeting beyond the four thousand nine fifty, give or take, over Q4. Um, that that is something that you know we'd like to be targeting towards the end of next year. Um, but I think over next year we'll be targeting somewhere between, you know, four over four and a half up to that five thousand, just depending on you know ore availability through the year. Twenty two, twenty three is where we start to see a step up. A lot of that will be based on the drilling that we we get to do next year. Um, that that's kind of broadly the plan at this stage. Okay, thanks, Ram. So basically. As far as the pay-still plant is concerned, you might see some kind of gradual quarter-over-quarter improvements in the mining rates leading up to some of those targets toward the end of next year? Yeah, and and consistency, a little bit more consistency on the grade is what we what's, what okay. we would be targeting to see. Okay. Um, just shifting topics to exploration and um, looking at these regional exploration targets, most of them seem to be early stage. So is a potential mill supplement more of a 2022 or beyond story? Or, or what do you need to see at Father Brown to make it a, a viable option to supplement the feed? It seems to be the largest of the, your targets in terms of its current resource. Yeah, maybe I'll hand to Peter to talk a little bit about what we see at and around Wasser and then the question on Father Brown and the more regional exploration. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Good afternoon, Don. Um, yeah, so just briefly at Wasa, I think that there's a really good opportunity there to find additional ounces, both up dip and down dip, of of the the current um, the current resource. Um, there's basically no drilling below, you know, panels one through three. So that upper part of the mine that's been either mined or is in the next uh, three four year plan. So that is the focus, and I think if we can find something quite close there we've got the addition the potential to to look at uh you know additional sources of ore there um at shallower depths and potentially um additional access um to the ore body um particularly in the upper part of the mine um so i think that's probably you know within the you know the three three year window or so um for that something like that to come on um on the okay. on the uh regional stuff you know you know ben, um the Benso ML um, has had historically three or four pits mined there. Um, Graham and I were on site you know, the last couple of weeks and uh, going through some of the some of the prospectivity under some of those pits. I mean, those pits were mined you know, seven years ago, um, and you know, even just looking under some of those pits, they really there was one hole, one or two holes per section underneath the pits. They really haven't had um, you know, a real touch-up in terms of exploration for the last um, for the last five six years. 
So they could be medium-term targets. They, you know, so we've got some plans drilling under those pits um, and uh, some of the other prospects that sit on that mining license at Benso. So that'll be that'll be a secondary focus in terms of uh, potentially bringing some either higher grade underground material from those previously mined pits or you know if something stacked up um, maybe a cutback on one or two of those uh, plus looking at expanding a couple of the smaller resources down in that uh, benso area that that um, with our revised structural interpretation and some of the work we've been doing trying to target some of these high grade shoots we might be able to grow the overall resource. Um, at Father Brown, um, yeah, look, we, we've done a bit of work. We're still doing some work on it at the moment. Um, the, um, it's two, two pits there, Adiochrum and Father Brown, that were mined. Uh, we're looking at both, under both of those for potential underground sources. It's really dependent upon um, being able to access both those deposits at the same time in order to get the ounces per vertical meter. Um, it's going to need a bit more drilling there, um, taking a more detail to give us a little bit more confidence. It's quartz vein structure, coarser grain, nuggety gold. So it really probably needs another level of infill drilling done on it to give us the confidence on the 230 to 300,000 ounce range. And then what's in the next 100 metres below what's currently sitting in indicated, whether we could prove that up and potentially get ourselves uh, something that, um, you know, is is more conducive to being um, the capital being spent on it to, to mine it. Um, Graeme, any other comments on that? Sorry, I just had to unmute. Um, no, I, I was thinking about Benso as you were talking, Peter, and, you know, those those pits were sort of drilled to a uh, to a opti optimization shell, and and that was it. So you know, some of them uh, got one drill hole underneath them and open, and you know, plus four grams. So there's lots of potential there, but I don't think it's a definitely not a 21 production. Maybe no. maybe 22 or beyond. Okay. Lot of work to do yet. Okay, guys, I appreciate that. Um, we'll look forward to exploration updates and good luck on next steps. Yeah, thanks. That's thanks. all for me. Thanks, Don. Your next question comes from Raj Ray with BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thank you, operator. Good afternoon, Andrew and team. Uh, just have a couple of questions. First, up on the open pit uh, reserve. Uh, earlier, you had mentioned about uh, potential to tap that from the underground. Has there been any additional work done on that so we can provide some color? The second question is with respect to the underground flexibility and the, the great volatility we are seeing. Um, part of your vertical development was based on improving that flexibility. Can you give us some timeline as to when, how much more development you need and uh, when do you expect to have some amount of uh, flexibility so that we don't see this uh, variability uh, every quarter? Hi, Raj. Um, I'll pass to Graham. I guess that the one overriding comment I would make, on which really relates to both those points you're making, is that it's now that we've got the business in a position where we can actually put the capital to work, be it to uh, do some work additionally drilling out um, and potentially accessing what we call the upper mine or the open pit reserve that's there. 
be it the development and drilling that's really necessary to step up to give us that flexibility. But you know, until this point, with the balance sheet in the position it was, um, with Prestea still bleeding cash, the business didn't have that ability. I think the great thing now is we've got that flexibility. Clearly, there's upfront work on those. There's upfront work on the exploration portfolio. So it's all going to take us a little time. But we've certainly now got ourselves in a position where we can start to plan and execute that work. Um, Graham, I don't know if you want to give any specifics around the work done or work planned on either of those elements. Yep, yep. All right. Um, yeah, um, as usual, Andrew's described it pretty well. Um, we have advanced the upper mine or, or open pit um, work. So we've got, we've got more to do on that. And when we do a reserve update as at the end of this year, I think that'll be the appropriate time assuming that all sort of comes together um, that we can update that in the reserves. Um, one of the things that we'll need to do there over um, 21 is a bit more drilling um, to, you know, to build that into a, into a you know, higher category resource and, and um, build out the plan there. Um, so that's, that's currently in the capital considerations for, for 21. So that, that's one opportunity. In terms of the development rate, certainly over Q3, Q4, we were we were looking. We had a new jumbo um, replacement jumbo, so not additional replacement jumbo um, coming to the fleet in Q3. Didn't didn't get utilised. In fact, when we're on site, still on the surface, um, waiting for our expat um, jumbo operator trainers to get back on site, which happened started happening from essentially early October um, but um, you know we're looking looking for a step up in that development um, probably you know 10% month on month next year maybe maybe we can push that a bit further but you know conservatively 10% and then um, probably the key one that we talked about is just having the pace fill capacity so you know, getting that online by the end of this quarter, and then then getting it into the routine and the the plan and the schedule um, each month. That and giving us a, access to secondary stokes within the sequence. Um, that that's another key enabler to that um, consistency of grade performance. You know, rather than having to um, you know bring things into the plan, um, sort of. Um, late in the late in the piece, if if that makes sense. So, um, they're, they're the couple of things that we're looking at to improve that consistency over 21 and beyond. And Graham, um, you might want to also comment on the resource definition um, drilling step up. Yeah, well, I mean that's certainly that's another one of the the capital plan. Um, you know, panel three um and, and the southern extensions, you know, really looking at we've got the um five seventy drill drive has progressed well and looking at what we can access from there over twenty one to really build out the resource um in the southern portion of the ore body um is a, is another big, you know, step up that we're looking at um for twenty one. Okay, thanks Graham. Uh, and just a follow up question on uh on the uh, Q3 um, higher throughput, 
Um, the grade that you got, 2.81 grams per ton, was it, um, how did it re reconcile with your reserve grade or did you have any impact from the higher um, productivity on dilution? Yeah, um, it, that's a good question. Um, reconciliation was down a little bit on the quarter. Um, I mean, that's uh, compared to year to date. Um, so there was there was roughly of the stoked tons, there was about 25% um, came from the hanging wall stopes, and then there was the increased um, ore development that I mentioned earlier. So, and it's 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 quite difficult because we're doing the low grade stockpile. It's quite difficult, other than through um, grub samples, to really um, see through all all of that noise. Um, but the but the reconciliation was not not as good as it had been the previous quarter. So um, something that we're looking through and looking into now. Yeah, and do you attribute that to the higher the tonnage that you pulled? So would that have cost it? Or yeah, look, look, Raj, I haven't um, haven't gone through stoke by stoke. Um, for September yet, but when when we sort of looked at all this, the overbreak, um, you know, was kind of in the five percent to ten percent range on most stopes. There were a couple that, one stope in particular, where there was a bit of pillar failure, but um, not, you know, it, it looked kind of consistent. Um, so yeah, it, don't don't have all of the answers to that at this point in time, but something that we're definitely working through. Okay, thanks, Graham. Yeah, that's it for me. Thanks, Raj. There are no further questions at this time. Please proceed. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody, for taking the time. Um, if there is anything else, you've got our coordinates. Give us a shout. Be happy to catch up and answer those questions and look forward to speaking soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call and webcast for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.